Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I love food. I love eating it and looking at it and reading and writing about it, creating it, sharing it especially here on the radio. So if you love to cook or love to eat, I like to say we should definitely be friends. This is your culinary and lifestyle show every weekend. It's conversation that fits your life, ideas and recipes for busy people. It's an easy way to get your quick fix of culinary entertainment. And I'm celebrating 20 years on the radio, and I thank you for tuning in. This show brings you fresh ingredients, recipes, and kitchen wisdom from celebrity chefs and authors and experts, from artisans and sommeliers and mixologists. We cover wine and food, libations and cocktails, health, travel, everything you need to feed your soul. And I am always serving up seconds at the newly revamped chefjamie.com, which I hope you will check out. And I'd certainly love your feedback. You can always email me direct as well, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. And I hope you'll become a friend and a fan on social. Follow at Chef Jamie Gwen. All right, let's get this chili party started, shall we? It's been cold in Southern California. I know my East Coast friends are, are laughing, but you know I like to kick off the show with a tutorial of sorts to give you some culinary history, to make you the best cook you know, to inspire new dishes, or to maybe th- make you think of a recipe you haven't made in a while. And I love chowder. That's for my Boston friends, of course. Loaded chowder, really. Chowder is that rich, creamy, wonderful soup full of chunks of ingredients, right? That almost feels like a stew, but what I love is that it's a meal in a bowl, and it fights off a chill, and it fills you up, and it warms the soul. So before spring comes, and oh, I hope it's coming, let's rejoice in chowder, shall we? It's a simple dish. It was actually past considered to be a poor man's food. It has a history that is centuries old, in fact. Chowder has its roots in the Latin word, calderia, which originally meant a place for warming things and later came to mean cooking pot. And the word also gave us cauldron and in French became chaudière, And the Oxford English Dictionary traces the word chowder back to the fishing villages along the coast of France from Bordeaux to Brittany. Now, vegetables or fish stewed in a cauldron became known as chowder in English-speaking nations. And different kinds of fish stews exist, in fact, in almost every sea-bound country in the world. Uh, Fish chowder was the forerunner for clam chowder. Um, There is no doubt that is the most popular chowder served in the U.S. today. I love clam chowder too. And there are two styles or types of clam chowder, right? New England clam chowder made with a cream base, Manhattan clam chowder made with a base of pureed tomatoes. Which one are you? I'm both. 
actually. And I think both have a place. And I don't really care what you call it. If you put a bowl down of like steamy, thick, rich goodness, call it a chowder, a stew, uh, just about anything you can hold in a bowl, and you put crusty bread alongside it and a gorgeous green salad, I am a very happy girl. And chowder doesn't always have to have or include seafood as its roots are steeped in. I actually think um, that all kinds of vegetables or meat chowders came into existence because the cook was using up whatever ingredients they had lying around the kitchen, right? So corn or beans or chicken or ham, potatoes, um, all your favorites, any one of them can be the star in what is a very filling soup, a bowl of chowder, right? And the only given in a bowl of chowder is that it's thick and satisfying and, as far as I'm concerned, steaming when it comes to the table. It's a bowl of goodness. So, for a twist on the traditional chowder, consider these few chef's tips that I wanted to share with you. For seafood chowders, I choose a mix of fish and smoked fish. So, I'll use some sort of raw fish and then I add in some smoked fish for depth of flavor. So if you make a clam chowder, consider adding some smoked trout. Could be at the end, stirred in. Could be as a garnish on the top. There's something about the smoked fish adding a really extraordinary depth of flavor to the chowder. Just try it. Now, another rule I have for chowder is almost always to start with bacon. Because bacon makes everything better. So does butter and mostly sometimes beer. And if you ever saw me on Emerald Live many years ago, Emerald, my mentor, then you know we made a clam dip and it had Emerald's favorite things uh, and bacon, butter, and beer. Oh, and potato chips <laughs> are all on the list. I think that starting chowder with bacon adds a salty richness to most chowders that is undeniably good. And because you're making a cream-based chowder most often, it takes a tremendous amount of seasoning. And so I think the bacon adds just a helping hand, let's say. All right, a little more chowder inspiration. How about a creamy root vegetable chowder? It's a really mellow chowder. It's winter vegetables like potato, squash, root vegetables. Uh, I love parsnips and carrots and turnips. And it's totally vegetarian if you use a cream substitute, of course. Um, but I'll tell you, it is out of this world good, and I'll gladly share the recipe. I also make a, a salmon and corn chowder, and its base, by the way, is pancetta, not bacon. And I happen to love that only because it adds sort of a, a different, uh, saltier, richer flavor either, even than bacon. If you can't get your hands on pancetta, tomorrow, then just use bacon instead. How about uh, a buffalo chicken chowder? Because if you love buffalo wings and you love chowder, this recipe combines all those passions into one and it is a winner. It's a buffalo chicken chowder. Oh yeah, it's so good. You finish it with crumbled blue cheese and uh, parsley or cilantro and chopped green onions. Uh, I can't get enough. All right, that 
is a synopsis on chowder. If you would like any of the recipes shared, once again, please email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. And now you are a chowder expert. All right, time for food news this week. This is what I call very necessary dinner party conversation. It will give you something to talk about. It's news you can use. I read the most fascinating article from a nutritionist who shared what to eat on an airplane to boost your immune system. And maybe it's my travel bug that has me sharing it with you, but I thought I would pass it along, pay it forward. These nutritionist experts say that the most important thing you can do for your health while on an airplane is nutrition. Uh, That fighting pathogens that come through the digestive track are definitely better fought with good food in the body. And so what's best to eat on an airplane? Um, anything full of probiotics, right? So choose or bring with you a yogurt, um, oatmeal, chia seeds, flax seeds, all the good stuff with the vitamins and make sure that you take more vitamin C, not only to combat that jet lag, but to boost your vitamin C and antioxidant levels. They skyrocket when you take vitamin C supposedly right before you fly. Also the experts say, take a nap because sleep and immunity are closely linked, and I love that. Also, toasted nori seaweed, they say is the best snack ever to bring on an airplane. It is packed with alkaline, vitamin C, omega-3 fatty acids, protein, and minerals. And so there you have it. Now you're eating well and living well. Oh, I love it. And this show is going to bring you everything you need to eat well, When we come back, Gazine Bullock Prado is here. You know her as the host of Food Network's Baked in Vermont, and oh, I want her life. Wait until you see this beautiful book, My Vermont Table. We're taking you to the maple syrup capital, and oh, rejoice, it is a beautiful place. When we come back, we're going to Vermont, and you wouldn't want to miss it. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. of culinary discovery where you can talk with your mouth full. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio as the delicious conversation continues. Oh, this book. Oh, her life. Full of love and joy. I feel like I want to jump into it and bathe in maple syrup because it embraces the seasons. It captures the charm of a grateful life, a passionate chef and baker and farmer. I think it's magical. It's entitled My Vermont Table, the sixth cookbook from Gazina Bullock Prado, the host of Food Network's Baked in Vermont, of course. 
And the book and her life is irresistible in every way. You know if you've watched, but now it is in print on pages for you to feel and taste. And it will tempt you into your kitchen, no doubt, but not before you pour over the pages and go to her happy place. The book makes the case that Vermont's foods should be celebrated as a region of their own. And Gazina, I am on my way. I will be there in about six hours if I can do it smartly. And it is actually a, a great privilege. So thank you to have you grace this show. Welcome. Thank you. And we're here whenever you want a jug of maple syrup oh. and a big glug of IPA. Okay. Um, let's see if I can get there quicker. I think it's funny <laughs> you say a jug of maple syrup. I'll take one with me. But I loved, and I have read every page of the book, I loved learning that you keep maple syrup in a plastic squeeze bottle, it sounded like, next to the stove as an ingredient, an addition, not a pancake topper. I will use it for both, but for me, it is as much a seasoning as salt or vinegar, Um, Mm. in that there are so many times where you just need that just touch, a touch of sweetness. Yes. And maple syrup is perfect because it also has a backbone. It has like Mm. this buttery backbone to it, and you can only add a little, and it does its work so well, and Mm. it incorporates immediately. So like for sauces or dressings where yes. they would usually call for some sugar, just a touch of maple syrup is all you need. I think that's so smart. And I must be following in your footsteps because I do the same. Sugar takes too long to dissolve. Honey is right. too viscous. And correct. I love the flavor of maple syrup. So why not? I do have to ask you before we jump in. I was always taught coming up in kitchens and uh, under great chefs that if I could source out grade B maple syrup, that was what the maple syrup producers kept for themselves. They tapped. It was richer and darker and otherwise. Is that true? It is true. And, and we've changed the grading system because when you say grade B, your, your mind goes to school and you think, right. oh, that can't be as good as A, right? Secondary, and right. And there is D. And you, you think it, th- those are the lesser syrups. Interesting. When in fact they're not. They're the ones that are the most coveted because they carry all the flavor. Uh-huh. And, it, and it's kind of lovely, the color changes. So yeah. now we grade it by color rather than grade. So that's the, the dark amber we're looking yeah, for. The dark, the dark amber or even just dark. If you go, so later in the season, the sugar, the sugaring gets darker and darker and more and ro- more robust in flavor. Hmm. Yes. And the stuff that we covet is the later season dark syrup because it tastes, it smacks you in oh, the so puss good. with yes. such flavor. It's so good. So how is the season, the maple syrup season? It's been an interesting season. It started very early in January and then stopped. And then now we are, we would say this is a sap running day. Our, our buckets run it over. So <gasps> we cool. are sugaring right now. Then wow. it's a little early for us, but I'll, I'll take it when it comes. Well, of course, and send some this way. Let's take a step back. You have a beautiful story that you weave into the way you cook, the way you live, your happy place. And I, I want everyone who doesn't know enough about you, although we've all fallen in love with you and watching you, to know more about your life. You left a Hollywood life uh, as an attorney Uh, almost 20 years ago, right? You fell in love, then you fell in love with Vermont. And it's a beautiful story that now you're knee deep in mud in boots, looking for extra space for maple syrup and uh, watching the ice thaw 
and this whole new beautiful life is the first time you say you ever felt whole in a place, right? Yes, it's yeah. home. It's a, and I think a lot of us are looking for that, and, yes. and hopefully we can all find it. And mm. I'm so lucky I found it. Mm. And um, I think the thing that touches me most about Vermont is that it's kind of this living and breathing, um, joyful place. And it is, I think it's, there's a reason why it, when you're watching a TV show, whether it's Friends or Scandal, there, Vermont becomes a touchstone for like what your happy place would be. Sure. They're like, we're going to Vermont for the weekend. It's just like, <laughs> it's just something that you just put in, in your script to say, oh, we're going to go to some place that is magical and joyful mm. and comforting. Mm. It's that for America. And I feel like, I'm so lucky that I get to live here because when I tell people about this place, uh, if they haven't been here and have fallen in love with it, they always say, that's on my bucket list. Right. And so I feel like I wrote this book for the world to share the joy hmm. that I get to live. And for those that might never get an opportunity to go to Vermont or live the life you live, you get a taste of it. Like I can feel it. Right. And I, I love, you know, you do it with such gratitude when people say, like you mentioned on the show, oh, we're going to Vermont for the weekend. You're, you live in Vermont for the weekend, right? Like that is your weekend. How fabulous is that? Um, I love that your pastry chef side has moved sweet to savory uh, because your morels and, I mean, the egg inspiration, there's so much in this book that is for every palate. I would love a seat at your table, but before we dig into recipes, I would like to talk about your favorite things. Oh, I renamed that area in the book, just so you know. You call it an ingredients. Um, these are the things you use, what, almost every day, right? Your favorite. Almost every day, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so brown butter, first and foremost. I call it a one-ingredient wonder. Just the smell alone. Yes. If, if we could just like bottle that into an air freshener, the world would stop, right? I, Everybody would just be like, I'd get more, the world. Gazina, I'd get more dates. <laughs> just put a little behind your ears. Yeah, exactly. Fabulous. Um, and it's one of those things that it is, everybody knows butter. And the mm -hmm. fact that you would transform it into an ingredient that's even better than how it started when it's so good from the get-go sure. is just so fabulous. But it, but the great thing about it is that it's great in baking. It's great in savory cooking mm. that it just lends itself to so many things. It's like a little magic ingredient. Yes, I, I agree. Sweet and savory. Um, would you like to mention your loyalty to Duke? <laughs> it, it's really funny that people are like <laughs> up here. They're like, what are, what are you talking about? I'm like, Duke's mayo. Whew. I mean, and as... You know, having Southern family, yes. they, they, they will ship me the stuff. They know of my great love of, of Duke Mayo. Of Duke's Mayo. Okay, Gazina, you may not go. I will not let you leave. We have to take a quick break. Please stay with us. Gazina, thank you. Gazina Bullock Prado is here. My Vermont Table, the cookbook you will fall in love with like Gazina has fallen in love with her happy place, is out now, Gazina Bullock Prado, and there is more to hopefully inspire you to cook what speaks to you right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away.
We're back and we're dishing. Gazina Bullock Prado is here. Lucky us, of course. You've watched on Food Network as she cooks from her Vermont kitchen. And she is embracing and savoring the seasons and welcoming you to her kitchen. Six seasons, in fact. Gazina, would you like to clarify that before we move forward, please? Yeah, you had. If you live in Vermont, you automatically know of what I speak. But we have six seasons in that we have extras before spring starts. That's mud season. <laughs> when the snow starts melting and the mud starts coming. And the reason it is like such a season here is because the majority of our roads are still dirt. So we have far more dirt roads than we have paved, ro- paved roads. And when it starts to thaw, they are no longer roads. They are mud pits. And I always remember when I was a kid, I was promised that the future would hold all the dangers of quicksand everywhere. And it never happened. If you are a certain age, like that was a horror story. There's quicksand yes. everywhere. Sure. That just is not true. Until I moved to Vermont, and mud season might as well be quicksand season because you get duck and you're not moving. Have you left a pair of boots? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> People have left cars. Oh, like, wow. You're like, oh, really? well, my car's going to be here for a few days. Yes. Oh, my. Okay. And then there's stick season, which is the other one, which is between fall, also known as peeper season, because people come up here to peep the leaves. Hmm. Once the leaves have fallen and before the snow has fallen, you just have sticks everywhere. Hmm. And so that's stick season, but it also falls at the same time as Halloween. Hmm. So it's kind of perfect because perfect. it's a little spooky. It really makes it like the perfect spooky backdrop. Oh, I you love feel it. Like, you know, you feel like the Headless Horseman is going to come out any minute. It's just perfect for, for Halloween. For time. Halloween. My son would be in love because he could stick sword fight with a stick, you know, for yeah. hours on end. Yeah, that would be fabulous. Um, should we get stuck in the mud and I get out... And I am welcome to your kitchen. Will you make me a deviled ham, Sammy, please? I will. I will. And it's such a comforting thing. Oh, my God. I almost licked the picture on the left when I started reading. I mean, I love pimento cheese. Please don't get me wrong. And Vermont pimento cheese, a little bit different than any other because you do produce beautiful cheese, right? Correct. And then you've got really good ham. And then you just pile it all on with pickled red onions on thick, gorgeous, homemade bread, and it has German mustard. I, how could it be bad? It is, it is, it, it, it's so flavorful, and it's so comforting, mm. but it's got all the textures going for it, too, mm. which is so important, right? When, you, when you're having what you would think would otherwise be a simple sandwich, you want it to be super delicious, and you want it to deliver all the texture. Huh. Does your husband request that? Because I would request that. He requests a lot of things. Oh, I imagine. Yes. It's a, called a good life for sure. Um, tell us more about the farm, if, you've, if you would, please, and how your geese are and uh, everything growing. Well, right now we're, we are in that mud season we spoke about. Yes. So the thing that we're farming is actually the maple sap. And um, so we take the sap, which just looks like water, with a slight, a bare, a bare sweetness. And we evaporate it outside. And while we're doing that, Mama the Goose and her ducks come and visit. And they're so happy because now they're patches of ground mm. that have come uh, bare. 
And so they'll nibble at the dirt, and I'll give her a little sip of the sap, and she's so happy. Mm-hmm. And then we're just waiting for everything to butt out. And I think the first thing that will come out is our asparagus. Oh, that should beautiful. be coming in about a month. Quintessential spring, right? Yes. That and a cardamom. And then the morels. Yeah. And then the morels. Oh, the morels was the first recipe I came to that I thought, oh my gosh, how do, I've got to get my hands on some fresh morels. Uh, morels and mushrooms inspire us. The first thing you'll make with, with the season's first bounty. Yes. Well, I mean, just sauteing them with some butter, a little umami richness. But the fact that they are literally in my backyard mm. is what is extraordinary. Yes. So what I do is I run out with my harvesting knife. <laughs> I see I it. I collect them. I can see it. And I run... I collect my eggs, and then I make an omelet, and I saute some morels, and I slather the top of it, and I thank the lucky stars for the blessings, because it's like, who, what, huh? Right? Yeah. How is this possible? (laughs) Right. And every time you do that, and I'll tell you, it comes through in the book. We say in our house, and I've taught my son, blessed and grateful blessed and grateful. And that's no doubt what it is. Is there a cardamom almond cake on the counter today? Could there be, please? You know, it's so funny that you say that. The cake isn't, but I took out. The pan, oh, the cast iron lamb mold. The lamb has come down. If anyone has, if you have one of these, you know of where I speak because it is my mom's like super heavy vintage cast iron lamb mold. And I take it out when it's close to springtime and yes. Christmas, uh, Christmas and Easter, and then you've got to dust it off mm. because that's when you use it once a year and you dust it off oh. and you get it ready for baking. Love it. Come summer, could I come over for peach goat cheese puffers, please? Absolutely. Oh, that's beautiful. And I think that's one of the things that people think is like so unusual that they're, th- they, they're like Vermont and peaches. I don't think so. <laughs> but I had a student when I was teaching at King Arthur Flower who after class said, I have a present for you. And I'm really used to my really sweet students giving me like little knickknacks and fun things. And she said, come out to my truck. I'm like, what is happening? And so she took me to her truck and there was a tree in the back of it. And she'd driven from Massachusetts with this peach tree. (gasps) And her husband, she and her husband ran a nursery of northern cold tolerant trees. And she knew, she said, you need a peach tree. You need a peach tree that can survive your winters. And I'm telling you, this peach tree is a bumper crop peach maker like you've never seen. Wow. But they aren't really juicy and ripe until later, like closer to fall. So the puffers are perfect because it's a savory treat. Yes. So they're not to full sweetness, but they still have mm. flavor. And along with a little goat cheese and balsamic vinegar oh. and some homemade puff pastry. Yes. So good. I'm so very impressed that you are making inverse puff pastry. I, truly, truly fabulous, really. Um, but well, yeah, go ahead, please. It's not hard. I've, I've taught non-bakers how to make it. It's the time. It's the it's the, the dedication. It's the, yes, it's the dedication. You can do it, and you, if you have the time and the dedication, uh, you you will be able to make something beautiful and like you've never tasted before. And you speak, otherwise you can go and get something good in the freezer section. I was going to say yes, we can as a substitute. But you speak about that in the introduction. You talk about 
uh, brave little recipes, you call them, right? The ones that take a bigger investment, but pay back dividends tenfold, a hundredfold, yes. a millionfold. A million yes, fold. Yes, a million fold. Ah, that's, that's what Puff's all about. Yes. All the million layers. Yes, it is. Oh, I love when those beautiful puns work out. Leave us with oh, this, yes. please. What exactly is Vermont dip? <laughs> I would like to Vermont. swim in it, I think. Vermont dip is creamy, cheesy, mm. oniony, just dippy goodness. Maple syrupy, dukesy. Just, <laughs> just enough maple syrup to give it the kick that you need. I mean, it is Bacon-y. like, would you like a little chip with that dip? Right. It's one of those dips mm. where you pile it so high on the chip that it's like it cannot handle the weight. Okay. And <sighs> it's, I will have that over the meal any day. Mm. And it will sit on my lap, and I will fight people off for it because it is so stinking tasty. Okay, just give me a spoon, please. Please, I beg of you, just a spoon. <laughs> my Vermont, for you, anything. Th- thank you, yes. Thank you. My Vermont table, recipes for all six seasons, Gazina Bullock Prado, the sixth in a collection of books so full of heart and soul, This is, and I know it's still the first quarter of the year, but I'm going to say it. This is the book of the year, the most beautifully charming, rich, real, joyful cookbook from one of the most passionate food lovers I have read in a very long time. It takes you on the most beautiful journey and you will revel at an opportunity at a seat at her table. Please check it out. My Vermont table is the book Gazina Bullock Prado, excuse me, Gazina, G-E-S-I-N-E, Bullock Prado, of course, of now Food Network fame. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making us smile and sharing your passion. I wish you all the maple sweetness in the world. Oh, I'll take it. I'm coming from my jug. I'll be right there. (laughs) Gazina, thank you. We have beautiful culinary thinkers on this show that inspire and delight, and I hope you are delighted. Grab a snack and come on back. There's more fabulous food in your radio right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Oh, we have the best culinary thinkers on this show, and I am so delighted that this talent is back. Much beloved Gemma Stafford is an Irish-born chef and the host of Bigger Boulder Baking, the top online baking show with 2.7 million subscribers that has been watched 500 million times. But you already knew that. For every craving and every occasion, Gemma says that you can bake any day and every day. And it is her second cookbook release and an instant hit that is making you a better baker. 
The book is entitled Bigger Boulder Baking Every Day because Gemma wants you to bake with confidence over 125 new fan favorite recipes so that you can serve up sweets every day, any time of the day. And I am so delighted you are here. Welcome back, Gemma Stafford. Thank you. Thank you, Gemma. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing well, too. Thank you. Congratulations. The book is really page after page. It's so beautifully from the heart. Like, I I feel you in it. And I know it was a true labor of love, of course, but it's getting a lot of tremendous attention. So kudos to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, Yeah, a lot lot of time and energy and (laughs) a lot of passion and and also tears. (laughs) And and tears, yes. Don't cry in the cake, please. I, I love that it has a backstory. So I've always known of you and we all love you, but I don't know that everyone knows that you have a very prestigious culinary background. You studied at an extraordinary culinary school. You went on to cook in every kind of kitchen imaginable. You baked for elderly priests. You baked in a a broken down Italian villa. And I love that all these stories really culminated in this book. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I do have a very colorful past. I, <laughs> I, I, I trained as a, I trained as a, as a, I studied professional cookery in Ireland, um, you know, when I was all of, I think, you know, 19 years of age. And I, I was very fortunate to be able to go to Ballymaloo Cookery School um, after I graduated college, which is one of the most uh, world-renowned, actually like the most world-renowned cooking school uh, yes. in the world. Uh, run by Doreen Allen in uh, West Cork. And, hmm. you know, from there, I traveled, I, I, I worked, I, I spent time in Italy, like you said, I worked as a private chef. Um, I, I spent time in Australia working um, a ski season. and But a lot of that shaped my style and uh, how, I, how I bake today. And, and it shapes what I do for BiggerBolderBaking.com. And um, for for my books and including um, this a brand new book right now, you know it's it's um, it has always I've I've had been very fortunate to have a very interesting culinary history, and mm-hmm. I particularly am proud of this second book because I feel like just like you said, uh, Jamie Gwen was that like you see a lot of where I've come from yes. in this, and I yes. think book number two is an evolution. Mm-hmm. It's where I am right now as a chef. Yes. You know, book number one was where I came from and and starting Bigger Boulder Baking. And now this second book is where I am right now, which I think is mm. more elevated, more sophisticated, more advanced, more uh, and, and a better baker. Hmm. To take a step back, though, all of those experiences that you shared have formed you as a baker. And while I have rabbit eared 800 pages in your 300 page book of things I can't wait to make. We'll get to recipes in a moment. The um, FAQs, the frequently asked questions toward the back of the book, I thought were so insightful. And whether you're a novice or a connoisseur baker, Gemma, these are questions we all ask. So if you don't mind, could we start there? Like, I love that these questions need to be answered. Do you use salted or unsalted butter? Isn't this crazy? Yes. You know, um, it's, it's crazy. I get asked this on the daily. These, uh, Jamie Gwen, these questions came from, we have 8 million fans on social. Hmm. These all came from us repeatedly getting asked these questions. Wow. It's like, 
if one person's asking them, then like there's thousands of people. And this was this is one of our biggest questions. And we released an article about it on my website, Salted versus Unsalted, and it went off the charts because people. They, they want they they feel like they don't know themselves and yes. they and they they want an expert opinion and my answer is like my personal preference is I use salt if you if you are trying to limit salt or or whatever it is or you don't have salted or you only have unsalted you know use your preference my preference is that little bit of extra flavor and a little bit extra salt now do you add additional salt to a recipe so let's say you want to take a a non-Gemma Stafford uh, recipe, which of course never exists. But let's say you want to take your own family recipe for a Bundt cake and substitute salted butter. Do you adjust the yeah. salt proportionally? Can you give us a, a secret insight? I, 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 lot of other bakers you're going to talk to say they do. I do always salt it if it says unsalted or not. And I still add the recommended amount of salt that's in the recipe. You and do. I've never, ever had an issue. I've never had an issue. Fabulous. See, that's, that's why you're the culinary thinker. Um, and so that brings us to the end of another hour of glorious food. And I hope you thought so. Gemma Stafford, Bigger, Bolder Baking Every Day to be continued next weekend. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for the hour. Because I am in soup mode, oh, it's been so cold. If it's not chowder, as mentioned at the start of the show, that you yearn for, maybe you'd like to make my vegan creamy tomato soup. It just happens to be vegan, actually, but it is a really handy recipe that you'll want to keep in rotation all season long. It's actually thickened with bread instead of cream to give it its silky smooth texture. And you soak the bread in some sort of liquid of your choice, onion, garlic, oregano, a little bit of vinegar stirred in at the end, champagne vinegar to be exact, just to give it a bright bite. And you've got the beauty of really good olive oil, of course, to finish the soup. I will post my creamy tomato soup, which happens to be vegan, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I'm always serving up seconds, of course, at chefjamie.com, which I hope you'll check out. Please become a friend and a fan on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen and find podcasts of this show everywhere you love to listen under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. And be sure to meet me here at the table next weekend when I guarantee there is lots more fabulous food in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. Bye.